Well, hello, and welcome to the Insecurity Project. I'm your host, Jamin Fraser, and I am on a mission to end the unnecessary suffering caused by the fear of not being good enough. We've all got it. We've all got to work through it. But thankfully, there is a clear, intelligent, and complete solution to the insecurity problem, and that is what this project is all about. Hope you enjoyed today's program. My guest on today's show is Harvey Penny. Harvey's a three-times author, a TEDx speaker. He is the host of Inspiring Business for Good podcast and co-founder of Inspire Life-Changing Accountants. Uh, These guys are on a mission to become Australia's most impactful accounting firm, which is not something you typically associate with accountants, right? But these guys are amazing, and they're well-known for their giving initiative, Day for Dollar. For every dollar in tax they proactively save their small business clients, they give a day's access to food, water, health, and sanitation to a family in need in the third world. So they're doing some epic stuff using something that they're good at, something very simple uh, that you wouldn't normally consider. That's their vehicle for doing good in the world. Harvey is an exceptional character, as you'll soon discover. He shares some incredible insights from his own journey, which is the value of having these conversations. Uh, and there's some stuff that really impacted me from this conversation. Um, I, I even broke down halfway through this, which, uh, you know, the joy of getting to to have conversations with amazing people about this, even if, if this was just for me, uh, I'd be so grateful for this opportunity. Uh, so I hope you enjoy it as much as I did, and, uh, and this impacts you and helps you on your journey of overcoming insecurity. Hey friends, here on the Insecurity Project, I have the great privilege of interviewing Harvey Penny today. Harvey, welcome to the show. G'day, Jamin. How are you doing today? Very well, thank you. Um, That's great. Now, I, as I said before we hit record, I'm super grateful for the opportunity to interview you. Um, I've watched your journey and uh, you've been, some of the cool stuff that you've been doing lately uh, is often referred to in the, in the circles that I travel. And so you're someone who I have a lot of admiration for and uh, I'm really honoured that you'd be willing to give up your time to, to talk about this really important subject. So thanks again. Cheers, bro. It's a privilege to be here. <laughs> all right, cool. Um, so as I, as I do with all my guests, I'm really fascinated about where you began. Um, just because like all the research around belief structure says that so much of what we believe about ourselves and our world is shaped before we're even seven. So childhood mm. plays an important role in, in you know, most everything. So I'm fascinated by where you began and specifically the role your parents played in establishing uh, beliefs and, you, you know, your beliefs about yourself, what you're capable of. So can you tell us a bit about growing up in your family? Yeah, thanks, bro. I love thinking about this question because as a new dad, it made me realize the importance of my influence on on my children now and the future as well. So, um, yeah, upon reflection, I think mum and dad did a great job. And I think the one key lesson they taught me through our sort of upbringing was that Harvey, you can be, do and have anything you want. And the way they taught me that was for a bit of context, I was born into a pretty poor part of, of New Zealand. Mum okay. was 13 um, when she had my sister and 16 when, when she had me, so pretty young. And, you know, we were born into a, a community where there was, you know, limited opportunity. There's lots of drugs around, uh, domestic violence is prevalent, lots of people end up in jail. And, 
you know, jobs are a bit of a distant memory and, and so too are economic opportunities. And, and as a result, the majority kind of depend on, on the government. And so I think mum and dad you know, saw the writing on the wall in terms of what the future might hold for, for their kids if they were to hang around. So uh, they did what most Kiwi families did who were wanting a, a better and brighter future and they moved to Australia, wow. <laughs> um, the, the land of opportunity. And <laughs> Uh, you know, when we arrived in 88, we, we had no money, no job, no friends, no education and, and you know, on paper, no no hope. Um, even mum was saying to me the other day that we were so poor that she would take us through what was called Franklin's at the time, which is now like Woolies or Coles, yeah. um, to get dinner. Um, but she'd walk us through the aisles pretending to buy food while, you know, my sister and I would eat. Like, that, that was the way we had with dinner sometimes. Mm. And so, you know, fast forward 20, 30 years, everything's fine. You know, we, we all run great businesses. Um, my family gets to travel sort of eight to 12 weeks a year. In my nine-month-old baby has been to six countries already, which I think is a, a pretty cool uh, experience. And <laughs> I'm writing my fourth book, and I spoke on on TEDx on exactly this topic of, of you can be, do, and have anything you want. And so I really think mum and dad did the right move of getting us out of that environment uh, back in the day. And so, you know, my lesson that I took from them or the context and gift that they gave us was that we really could be, do, and have anything we wanted. We just had to go out and get it. Now, for mum and dad at their time, they had little access to opportunity in their community, so they had to step outside to find and make that opportunity happen, which was you know, their, their bold move. But you know, nowadays, you and I have it so good, don't we, Jamin? Like, you know, things are so great here. And you know, opportunity is literally all around us. But you know, the topic of today's conversation, we're all so commonly held back by you know, fears and, and insecurities and the lack of confidence that all of this opportunity that's just at arm's reach, I feel like sometimes it's going to waste. And so, you know, we've all heard that quote that everything you want lives just outside of your comfort zone. Yeah, sure. um, nowadays, you know, uh, we don't have to step outside of our countries and our communities, which many of our immigrant parents had to do in generations before us. But I do believe that we do have to step outside of our comfort zones in order that uh, we can be, do and have uh, anything we want. And, and that's why I'm so grateful for, for people like yourself, Jamin, for, for leading movements like these because they, they can really unlock our ability to, to, to live, live a great life if we can just have the courage to step outside of what makes us uncomfortable. A uh, great way of putting it. And, yeah, thank you. That's, that's definitely the mission we're on here. So um, can, can you reflect as you, you know, explored this life in the land of opportunity and started from nothing and explored this idea of you can actually literally be, do, have anything as long as you go out and take it, can you, ex- can you remember being limited by fear and insecurity in any part of that or did you just go and, um, you know, it was obstacle-free, you could just kind of explore who you were in the world? Like can you talk us through some of the challenges around actually becoming that kind of person in the real world? Yeah, definitely. Um, two examples came to mind um, that both had sort of similar lessons uh, for me. Um, one was starting a podcast, which is, you know, something business and something small. And another one was kind of overcoming cancer, which I'd say is kind of larger on, on the impact scale. But we'll, we'll kick off with the podcast. Um, like you, I run a podcast called um, Inspiring Business for Good, and it was designed to, you know, spotlight or showcase inspiring businesses that were making an amazing impact on their 
their founders, their team, their clients in the world. And I thought it was a good idea. And I had the idea for about two years, but my natural self-doubt and you know, imposter monster said, nah, nah, who are you to be a podcast? Like, you couldn't do this. No one, will, no one will listen to that. And I even asked some experts who were, you know, in the field of podcasting and, and the response I got from them kind of confirmed my self-doubt because they, they were also like, nah, I don't think it's a great idea. And so one day, you know, something just tipped me over the edge. Maybe I just had this momentary sense of, uh, kind of madness in a good way. And I said, well, you know what? Screw it. Let's do it. And I just sent out 35 invitations to people who had inspired me that fitted the bill of, of business for good. Yeah. And what blew me away, Jamin, was within 24 hours, I'd done my first interview. Uh, within three days, 27 of the 35 I invited were eagerly booked in to do the interview. Mm. Um, within three weeks, we're live on iTunes. Uh, and one week later, we were top 100 in iTunes and effectively have been there ever since and you know that sort of sequence of events kind of taught me three lessons one was that sometimes just sometimes you've got to ignore you know what others are telling you and even you know the bad side of of our imposter monster tells us we can't and and sometimes we just got to tell ourselves you know screw it let's do it and and follow your gut Uh, and even if those experts uh, are your your idols and your mentors so that was one thing that really stood out and number two is I really noticed um, is powerful is moving fast or, or the fact that insecurity hates speed. <laughs> and wow. So, you know, by the time I, by the time I kind of realized... Oh, sorry, that I just, some- just to pause there. That, that is a really interesting insight. I, I think I agree. That's really cool. Um, <laughs> yeah, keep unpacking. Sorry, I like that. Insecurity does not like speed. Absolutely. So momentum is a bit of a game changer. And so I I found that by the time, if you just like shoot out of the blocks and you're just so far ahead of the competition and your own internal competition that says you can't do something, then uh, if you've moved so fast and chances are you've achieved so much and you're so well committed to that end goal that, you know, failure is not an option. Stopping is not an option at this point. And I never kind of gave the indulgence, if you like, of, of being able to live around in some of those self-limiting thoughts. So moving fast is, is really great. Hmm. Um, and the third, third thing I got was that there's, there's people far less qualified than, than you out there doing the things that you want to do yeah, simply because yeah. they had, they had the, 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 the decision to believe in themselves. Uh, yeah, yeah. That's <laughs> incredible. Um, reflecting on that makes you realize that, you know, there is so much opportunity. We've just got to go out there and get out of our way and just go, go knock it over. That's so good. I, I interviewed Tim Benson um, maybe five or six episodes ago. Uh, he had this really interesting observation around self-doubt and the, the two options you can take. He said sometimes if you share doubt with people in your world, they actually collude with that doubt and they form agreements <laughs> around that doubt and strengthen it. Um, and it's interesting because it's, when I talk about that, I thought that, you know, I was thinking about typically negative people or people trying to pull you down, collude. But sometimes it can be people who you look up to and people that you uh, that inspire you, they can still collude with your doubt and, and weaken it. Mm-hmm. But he said the other option is to see doubt as just an indication of some capacity that needs to be built. So self-doubt is just going, hey, maybe you've never done this before, so there's some skill that you need to learn so that you could show up here confidently. So that was how he reframed it. And I was just reminded of that. Um, that, that was, uh, yeah, really beautiful description. Three amazing things you learned around doing, doing the podcast. 
Um, mm. Yeah, thank you. So that was the, the podcast lesson. Tell us about the, the cancer experience. Yeah, well, this one wasn't, wasn't as nice to, to go through. Um, kind of, <laughs> um, idea to iTunes in three weeks was, was pretty fun, but the, you know, being blindsided by cancer was, was not as great. But effectively how the story or experience went was, was, was around a Monday. I felt a bit of pain in my left nut. And I, I thought at the time it may have been a, a bit of a, a footy accident, like a bit of a bruise, nothing much. Right. And, but I kind of brushed it off. By Wednesday, it was getting a bit worse. By Thursday, I thought, you know what, I've got to see the GP. This doesn't feel right. right. And, and by Friday, uh, that same week, I, I had confirmed testicular cancer. My goodness. A 30-year-old, feel like you're invincible. You know, that, that's the absolute you know, blindsiding. It really sucked. And, and it was just literally two, three days later, I was under the knife um, in, in hospital getting the testicle and the tumour removed. So it was all sort of happened at, at absolute lightning speed. And I remember getting out of the operating theatre and and um, doctor said, well, you know, we're done. Um, you've got 12 weeks to heal the scars um, before we start you on chemo and, and or radiotherapy. Um, and so that was kind of the... The, the, the time frame that it gave me. And I, I knew and I had made a decision in myself um, that I really didn't want to go down the pathway of, of chemo or any of those uh, sort of um, kind of healing method, methods. Right. If you've ever known you've gone through chemo and that, it's, it's a pretty horrible experience. It seems, it seems completely brutal. Like, yeah, I, I, I don't know many people, but everyone I've seen go through chemo, it seems horrific. Yeah, well, I think the best analogy I learned through my research around it was it, it's like using a nuclear bomb to get out, get rid of rats that have infested a city. Sure. Like technically, yes, it'll get rid of the rats, but what else? You know, what else is it going to take with? And hmm. and so it was through that education that I, I was result, res, resolute or, or decided that there's no way I'm, I'm doing this this chemo thing. You know, what do I need to do? myself to to come to that 12-week appointment and say you know what you can keep your chemo i've got no cancer we'll, we'll see you later wow um, and and that was kind of the journey that i embarked on and and thankfully through um some pretty major lifestyle changes and some some pretty epic um sort of therapies that people had recommended 12 weeks later there, there was no cancer left um, I, I didn't get the chemo because I didn't need it because there was there was nothing there, and uh, I'm happy to say here I am two years later, still healthy, still cancer free, and I've even got a nine month old baby who, who reminds me every day that that life is precious, um, and and that you can still fly a plane with with one propeller. <laughs> um, <laughs> <laughs> the side of the um, you know that that was that whole sort of. You know, the, the roller coaster of life that, that was that experience. But that those similar three lessons kind of popped up in my head again. It's like sometimes you've just got to ignore what others are telling you and follow your own gut and your own resolution, even if they're experts, even if they're idols, even if they're doctors or, or people who have far more experience than you. Just sometimes you can't doubt the education and, and your decision that you've made uh, in the past and you've just got to roll with that. And and that led to, to number two, um, move fast. And again, insecurity hates speed. Um, you know, I, I pulled fingers so fast on um, you know the juices, the cleansers, the colonics, the you yeah. know, any sort of therapy I could get myself access to because it was either that or you know live a life of you know having had chemo and, and not ever be able to have kids again. All of that price was just too much to pay. So um, momentum in that case was was literally a game changer uh, and a life changer. <laughs> And um, I think the last thing that really came to mind, and maybe this is the internal accountant in me coming out, is just 
maybe a really great way to overcome insecurity is to really count the cost of being insecure. And so, you know, I thought back if if I didn't back myself in my decision to to not go down the, the chemo pathway, even though the, the doctors and the mentors were saying that's the way, you know, that, what would that have cost? Would it cost me six months off work, uh, you know, a life lifetime of health issues related to the side effects of, of chemo, that, that nuclear bomb <laughs> that was figuratively used to get rid of the rats, um, you know, the cost of all those, those procedures. You know, and, and to me, the biggest cost was, was the ability or the, the risk of not ever being able to have, have kids ever. Like that was... Yeah. That was horrible, and and so counting the cost of what a lack of self confidence would have cost me, and what I would have had to pay, I just wasn't willing to pay the price. And, and I think that may be one way that we can use to, to help get over these insecurities is just just realizing how much it's actually costing us to choose that pathway, because uh, I do believe it is a choice. Uh, entirely, um, in the the process of helping people think through insecurity. Um, number three is this idea of stacking the pain and very much central to that is counting the cost of not dealing with this. How much is this actually costing you? How much will, it, will that cost continue to compound throughout your life to the point of madness if you don't find a way out of this? Surely that cost is far higher than facing up to fear and working through this. Surely that would be the, the cheaper alternative. Um, yeah, so you're so right. Um, Wow, mm. must like that must have put some steel inside of you coming out of the end of that, having learnt those lessons in very real world experience. Um, how, like, do you feel bulletproof in some ways, having come through that? Is that is that put something very strong on the inside of you? Yeah, there's definitely elements of that. Uh, I think every every win that we give ourselves the the time and the gift of celebrating does add to our ability to feel bulletproof. Yeah. So I wouldn't, my natural insecurity that always exists and I believe always will still says I'm not completely bulletproof. Yeah. But every little challenge that I manage to get to the other side of, every time I step out of the comfort zone and, and experience the good that's on the other side, I give myself a little little fist bump in the air and go, boom, like we did it, we made it. You know, there could be big things or small things, yeah. but I, I truly do, they, they do build up my, my resolve and add to, to my character. So I wouldn't say bulletproof, um, but I am definitely working every day to, to strengthen that muscle of self-confidence uh, and, and ignoring that fear. And, um, yeah, that, that should only make me stronger for I'm probably sure there's many, many more challenges to come. <laughs> yeah, lovely. Um, I was just thinking about the Snoop Dogg interview I saw recently when he was uh, his, his star at the Hollywood Walk of Fame. Did you see his interview? No, <laughs> he just uh, he gets up and and you know he starts. I would like to thank and he, you know he's thinking all right all the people oh. he's going to thank and then he goes, I'd like to thank me. I'd like to thank me for always being there <laughs> exactly. for me. I'd like to thank me for believing in me. I'd like to thank me for encouraging me and being willing to have my back. Like he just went on and on, um, and it actually was a really beautiful thing because. It was just this moment of beautiful self-acknowledgement about the real reason why he was able to be where he was, was his ability to self-reference and, um, you know, be his greatest mm. supporter and, and those successes do compound and uh, create strength. So I liked it. <laughs> yeah, I love it. Love it. <laughs> uh, a question I ask uh, people all the time is, do you think it's possible to live insecurity-free? 
Mm. <clears throat> Not in my experience, at least. So I believe the answer is no. <laughs> Um, I think that's part of what makes us human and, and, and our imperfections. Um, I, I kind of see it as a bit of a, a dichotomy or a balance or maybe a fight between the, the two, the, the yin and the yang, the, the good and the evil, the, the profit and loss, the black and white. Um, and so, yeah, I sort of, because I struggle with my imposter monster so much. I, I speak on you know, this interview and I'm doing keynote presentations tomorrow. Like It's always smashing me. Uh, in the head big time but I sort of visualize the imposter monster and my confident version of myself like kind of two fighters in an MMA cage and uh, if you want to reframe it in a more positive way is it's the, the presence of that imposter monster I believe gives me and gives us the opportunity to make our confident selves stronger so you know just like we when we chuck more weights on a bar that challenge us to to be able to improve our strength or or just like if we were to run a 100-meter race alongside a faster runner that's going to challenge us to get faster. Um, yes, it sucks that the imposter monster's there, and, and yes, sometimes he'll, he'll win. Um, but if we can kind of reframe it around the fact that we do have an opportunity to use that, that inner person to make our confidence self more, more stronger, um, then that gives us a chance to, to really use the opportunity that, that's there. Um, maybe another, I'm a fairly visual person, so I, I sort of think about, maybe these two personalities as if they were a separate fire. So two fires in my head. One's the confidence fire and one's the insecurity fire. And, and I just ask myself sometimes, like, which fire am I feeding? And, you know, sometimes I, I do. I'm guilty of, of feeding the insecurity fire and, and tell myself I can't or I'm, I'm not enough or who the hell are you to get up on that stage and, and tell those people. But, you know, if, if we're through our thoughts and actions and feelings throwing fuel in a fire, um, Really, then it's up to our our decision or our choice every day. Which which fire are we going to fuel? Uh, the, the one of self confidence or, or the one of uh, or the one of insecurity. So that's the way I look at it. Uh, as a bit of a balance between the two. Yeah, yeah. Um, every time I do one of these interviews, there's there's always some point to the conversation where I, where I have this thought: Holy smokes! I'm glad this is being recorded. Um, and and that it's just it's just some beautiful insights and a unique way of thinking about things that is just very rich and deep and and real life like it's, there's nothing like someone speaking out of the overflow of their own journey um rather than just you know some theory or some ideas this is this is stuff that's actually come out of you you've lived this you know this is real because it's what you experience and it gives you more and and to share that um, it's such a gift to give other people and I'm grateful and I'm glad we're recording and uh, thank you again for, for being here. <laughs> yeah, thanks, thanks for creating a safe space. <laughs> um, so I don't know whether you're a book reader. You, do you read a lot of books? Yeah, definitely. I have done in the past. <clears throat> Are there books that stand out for you when you think about this subject that you recommend to others or that have become books that you keep referring back to that have been sharp insights around how to live uh, winning the battle against anxiety and, and staying strong? Yeah. Um, the three that came to mind, uh, one was my go-to for so many different things. Uh, it, it's called You Have the Power to Change Stuff. Uh, it's by Daniel Flynn, the, the um, co-founder and MD of, of Thank You, an amazing organisation that 
as a, a social enterprise and, and does so much good. And it's through their example and his amazing business journey that he's shown many, many times how he's been able to overcome his self-doubts and, and fears and, and, uh, and his industry. So that's been a one of gold that I highly recommend. Wow. Um, another one that you and I may have more in common with us is uh, one by Daniel Priestley. Uh, it's called the, the Entrepreneur Revolution. And um, what I think he does a great job in there of describing is the, the different parts of our brain and, and how they control our thoughts and behaviors and actions and feelings. And he, he speaks about the difference between a monkey brain, a lizard brain, and, and the empire builder. And I'm not going to you know uh, give any justice to, to retelling that story, but understanding that there's these three different kind of characters living in our brain, kind of like that that movie with all the different emotions of the, the, the kids cartoon. Yeah, yeah. Um, and you sort of see see those three sort of characters playing out, then you can really realize how what we need to do to, to really live into uh, our empire builder, the, the part that makes us human. Yeah. So I um, highly recommend Entrepreneur Revolution. And um, the third one that might get a few um, sort of sideways looks, um, but it's called Think Big and Kick Ass. Yeah. And it's by uh, Donald Trump and Bill Zanker. And it was one of the <laughs> oh, first... Um, Trump books that I read and I, I absolutely fell in love with him from, from that moment when I first read the book and I was like, holy crap, this guy really gives you a kick up the ass yourself when you're sort of hanging out in your, in your comfort zone and yeah. for better or for worse, he, he's definitely an example of someone who believes in himself yeah, <laughs> and sure. has that level of confidence and so, um, uh, yeah, for that, that little personal boost of motivation alone, I'd recommend that. I think it's about 10 years or so old so, um yeah, it doesn't reflect my current views on him, but um, yeah, sure. you can't you can't deny the um, the little confidence boost and the kick up the butt he'll give you in that book. Uh, that's that's beautiful. Um, I don't know whether you're a Jordan Peterson fan, uh, but but he's I think he's one of the smartest guys in the world. And and whenever I listen to him or read any of his stuff, one the thing that impresses me most is just his security around accessing wisdom wherever he finds it, um, without mm. feeling like you can't use that reference because you know because of the implications of referencing that person or that idea or that theology or that religion or that time in history or whatever it just mm. goes right if it's good and it's useful well i will use it um so um there you go cool. i i had written off donald trump as uh, having nothing of value <laughs> and you've gone no no um maybe he's a crazy man at times but he's got some stuff that is useful in this very subject and uh that would be mm. foolish of me to not access <laughs> that um just because i've got an idea about who he is now and what he's doing in the world mm. so yeah, thank you i appreciate that that's a great point i'll make sure those links are in the yeah. show notes uh okay so like on a day-to-day -day basis where you you are doing big things and and i you know when i think about being unhindered by insecurity which is the word i i think about for myself um Am I showing up to life with a handbrake on, a handbrake representing mm. this fear of not being good enough, kind of limited internally, or am I showing up unhindered, you know, free to kind of bring my best and be my best where it matters most? Um, I think every time I show up unhindered, well, I run forward into new space and inevitably encounter new levels of uncertainty and new levels mm. of like, oh, my goodness, this is way outside of my comfort zone. And it's fruit of growth and progress, but now I'm scared again. And now I've reached uh, another insecurity. Um, so, so no doubt you experience the same kind of stuff by doing big stuff in the world and continuing to explore new boundaries. So what do you do to stay sharp and to stay um, 
confident and, and relaxed in who you are? Are there, are there rituals? Are there practices? Are there uh, affirmations? Are there, are there key things that you find useful kind of a, on a daily basis to, uh, to do good work in your own soul around security? Mm, yeah, awesome. Um, I think just after hearing that, I think step one is just knowing that sometimes you will take, take three steps forwards and maybe one step backward and, and that's okay. That's not a complete failure. Um, you know, I'm, I'm sharing some cool sort of before and after stories and, and everyone could be a great general in, in retrospect or after the war. Yeah. Um, but yeah, there's, there's definitely times where, where things are tough and you feel like you are going backwards. But um, you know, things that come to mind are, I wrote down the words that purpose eats insecurity for breakfast. Um, and I think about this quote, it's a favourite of mine, that the, the two most important days of your life uh, are the day that you're born and the day that you find out why and I, I personally kind of feel grateful and feel on purpose um for having discovered that that gift of what is my purpose so for, for me i describe i've got a, a business purpose and a and a personal one and i think it's a great gift knowing what they are step one and step two being able to articulate them to yourself and to others is really great step two and and step three is a really great thing to every day do my best to, to live in uh, or live true uh, to both those purpose um has been really good so uh, my personal purpose i'd articulate is i'm here to do good uh, and inspire others and to do good um, and I, I hope that i do that uh, every day with with every thought action uh, and movement that I'm, i take um, and then the business purpose is real, for me, a reflection of that uh, personal mission. So a business purpose is, is to help young families get cashed up, um, not so they can drive Ferraris and fly private jets and buy islands, but, but I believe that when, when people have more, they'll be able to, to live more and, and give more. Um, and that's a purpose that, that really lights me up and same too uh, for the team around us. And, and I think... Um, being clear and, and 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 protecting the flame that is our purpose in, in business and life um, does give a bit of uh, confidence to push through some of those fear barriers and and, and insecurities. Um, and maybe another way I think about it is is a purpose is a little bit like a, a magnet, and the stronger that we can be with knowing what that purpose is, articulating it, and, and living into it, is kind of the degree to which that magnet is turned on. And so if we're, we're really clear on articulating and living it and breathing it every day, then that magnet is really strong. Just like every magnet, it attracts, you know, great opportunities. It attracts like-minded people. It attracts, uh, you know, great conversations. It attracts, uh, you know, things that you need to know that's going to support you on that journey. Uh, but I think similarly, like every magnet also repels uh, on the other side. And so, you know, being clear about our, our purpose can actually give us a, a bit of help in terms of repelling the stuff that isn't serving us along that way, if that's, you know, fear or insecurities or, or, or a lack of self-confidence um, as we sort of step into uh, our purpose. So, yeah, purpose eats insecurity for breakfast. And, and I hope, well, I like to think that's, that's how I start most days with a good brekkie and, and that sort of philosophy on, on the day. Well, I've, uh, I've heard that quote before, the, the two most important days. Um, but I hadn't drawn the link between purpose and insecurity. And when you said that, <clears throat> it hit me in the feels. I, uh, I got uh, quite... Uh, <laughs> Sorry. It's beautiful, eh? Yeah, thanks. 
thanks for drawing that connection. That's a really powerful idea. And, and I think, you know, part of my, my purpose is just is ending the unnecessary suffering that people experience daily because of insecurity, because of not knowing how to overcome it and, and mm. watching them be consumed uh, with inner dialogue that is poisonous and destructive and, and ruins them. And, and so, <clears throat> yeah, so just, um, I, I know reflecting and why I think why I'm emotional is reflecting on it as I've surrendered my life to that purpose and go, that is why I was born. That is, mm. um, there is no room for insecurity in that space because it doesn't make sense. Uh, and it's not useful to anything or anyone. If that's what I was born to do, then not doing that is, is really selfish and really mean to, to the world to not show up and do your best at what you were born to do. So, oh, wow. <laughs> so true. And, and on how, how on purpose we are is, is you know, how moving is it to us? Like I'm so you know, grateful that you're, you're vulnerable to share you know, A, your purpose and B, how you're feeling about it now. And it, it really should feel like that. Like people ask often, like, how do you know when you know your purpose? Well, if, if you can, you know, really tap into a, a part of, of real emotion and meaning and, and motivation that, that's unique to you when you share that purpose and, and you live it every day, then it's a pretty good sign that, that, that you found it. Yeah. <laughs> and that's a huge gift. Um, and yeah. you know, what's what's most important now is to, to protect that because it is, if I noticed, in, in business or in life, um, yeah, half the battle is to find that purpose, and 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 once you do, it is like a flame that that has been lit. Um, but the second half of the battle is to protect that and not let anybody or anything or any thought, um, you know, risk uh, that flame going out. Because just like you said, if if we know why we're here and we know what we're on this planet to do. Um, but for some or whatever reason that that flame goes out and we don't make that impact and we, we don't live into that purpose, then what a shame, <laughs> absolute shame. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. And that, and it kind of relates back to the lessons you learn, you know, both probably with the podcasting primarily around not everyone is going to fan that fire for you. Not everyone is going to urge you on even though you'd think they would and you'd imagine everyone would be cheering for you, some people seem to be threatened by people who are living in purpose and it, it just kind of, I don't know, it does some weird stuff in them and they become part of the resistance to living in purpose. So I, that's interesting that mm. you say it's, it's important to protect that fire and to guard that, to realise what's at stake for that fire to, to uh, wane. Um. Cool. Is there anything that we've missed in when you think about this subject? Anything else that uh, from your own personal journey or stuff you share with other people looking to really uh, live not held back by insecurity? Anything that you would add? Yeah. And another one of our daily sort of rituals is um, a goal setting process that we do as a family and also as a business every year. And it's called 101 goals or 101 goals. And okay. if you want to, if you want to do the activity, um, the instructions are this: you, you make a list of 101 goals, all written down, and then allow your subconscious mind to create the seemingly impossible happenings to make your dreams a reality. Okay. Um, uh, 
I don't remember exactly the source, but I remember reading on social media, I think once, or hearing a video about it. I'm like, huh, yeah, I'm going to take the challenge, write 101 goals down it, and just see what happens. Seems like and a lot of goals. A, yeah, well, well, here's the experience. Um, I've always been a fairly uh, kind of ambitious guy and, and goal-oriented, and I was like, yeah, I'll, I'll smash out 101. So <laughs> start writing, start writing, got through the 10, got to 15, got to 20. I'm like, uh, I'm really, like, struggling here, like trying to yeah, – yeah. Uh, figure out, you know, what do I want in my life? And I'm like, what's going on? Like all this time I'm, I'm talking about wanting to do more, be more and have more. And yet I've got the chance to write down anything I want in life. And I got to 20, like, come on, what, what's going on here? And so I think 101 isn't necessarily about, uh, you know, the number and it ticking every single one of those off or in a certain amount of time. But it is a little bit like, I believe goal setting is, is a bit like a, a muscle that I think in the majority of us, is a bit underutilized where you know we might not have many goals or if we do have them we might not write them down or if they are written down we might not tell others about them because you know, of the fear that we might fail or they might judge us for them and there's all sorts of stuff going on and so part of the, the value of the process is in just really challenging ourselves what do we really want in life and knowing that we can be doing have anything we want then write them down because you know Every, every, anything's possible in that sense. That, that's step one. Um, step two was around this whole subconscious mind. And I'm as sort of naturally skeptical as, as most around some, some la-la stuff. But the thing that really made sense to me was around the power of the subconscious mind. And I believe my understanding is that the, the, the part of the brain that we, we don't consciously use is, is so much more powerful than the part that we do use. Yeah. And so if we could kind of tap into some of that power, wouldn't that be helpful? So um, an example is, Jamin, you might have maybe bought a new car before, like a, 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 a Toyota Corolla. And have you ever noticed that experience where just when you're on the search on the market for it, you start seeing Toyota Corollas everywhere. Yeah. <laughs> like they're, they're on the streets or in the roads or in the highways. You're like, man, did a big you know, shipment just arrive out of Japan? Like they're, yeah. they're seemingly everywhere. What we realize now is it's, it's our subconscious that previously kind of blocked all the useless data from us yeah. that we get in a day. And now that we've kind of signaled to our, our brain, hey, this is what I want in life, um, being the Toyota Corolla, all of a sudden we see them everywhere. And so, you know, the one-on-one goals process was about signaling to your brain what do you want in life and where are you heading and, and what do you want to be, do and have and kind of allowing the brain to go, oh, it's over there. Or, oh, there's an opportunity. Hey, hey, that, that guy there, he might be able to help you with your goals. And so yeah. it was really part of you know, making conscious. And, and I think in the context of you know, self-confidence, limiting beliefs and the things that make us insecure, those voices are always going to be there. And they've been there for a long time, as long as I can remember. And, and they're probably going to be there for many, many years to come. But it, to me, it was a question of which voice is louder. And, and do I have the opportunity to turn up the volume on the voice in my brain that says, well, what do we want in life, Harvey? What are we here to, to, to do and, and, and who are we going to become? And can I help you? You know, this is your brain talking now. Can I help you sort of spot those opportunities um, as you go through life? And, and can I help give you maybe a bit of a nudge in the right direction to make sure you take advantage of them that are there? And so in a sense that that self-belief is still there, but I just hope I, I feel by being clear on those goals and, and committing my subconscious to come work with me on, on achieving them, 
then I've kind of turned up the volume on, on the good stuff. And as a result, that kind of clouds out or, or helps me turn the volume down on, on things that, that don't serve. So, um, yeah, one of my goals, we, we have it up on the, on the fridge and have a little look over Brecky um, on, on the way out the door every morning. It's pretty cool. Amazing. So they're 101 family goals on the fridge or your own personal ones? Uh, so me and my fiance have done our own yeah. each. And so they're both up on the wall. And then, you know, we have friends come over uh, for, for dinner and they, you can't help but see it. And it strikes up a, a healthy conversation around, well, you know, what, are we, what are we after in life? And nice. the amount of times I've, I've had people look through and go, oh, hey, I can help you with number 37. Or <laughs> really? how's number 57 going for you? And it's like, <laughs> man, this is awesome. Thanks so much. Um, so, yeah, look, it's nerve-wracking kind of putting your stuff out there thinking that people might judge or, or you might look a fool because you, you failed or you yeah, didn't yeah, yeah. reach that goal. But um, I've experienced that the upside definitely outweighs uh, the down. Uh, another one of the beautiful um, benefits of having these conversations is every conversation is always something I'd never thought of and uh, totally adds to my own journey. So that I will, I'm committing to 101 goals. That's a great idea. Thank you. <laughs> Uh, Harvey, where can people find you? Where do you hang out if people are interested in what you do and who you are and some of the amazing work you're doing in the world? Where is the best place for people to come find you? Yeah, thanks, bro. Well, um, uh, yeah, harveypenny.com. You'll be able to um, see my TED Talk and, and find links to the Inspiring Business for Good podcast or, or the books that we've, we've written. Uh, that would be a great place. And um, if you are a young family who's interested in getting cash up so you can use your business for good, then uh, inspireca.com, um, which is the website for our, our accounting business, Inspire, would be a, another great place to look at as well. And can I just say, I, I just uh, got the privilege of attending one of Harvey's uh, cashed up workshops and uh, it was incredible. Like I'm a big fan of frameworks and I, I think all you need really to solve any problem is the proven framework and someone skillful enough to hold you in the space. And so your framework around accounting and finance and just having that thought through, there was some stuff that I'd never even considered. It was beautiful and, uh, yeah, wonderful. So I, I wholeheartedly endorse that. If there are, yeah, young families looking to be cashed up, um, check out what these guys are doing. Ben and Harvey from Inspire Accounting and, uh, yeah, some, some really quality stuff. So... Look, Harvey, thanks again so much for this conversation. Very rich. Uh, I benefited immensely and I'm sure the listeners will have got a lot out of this as well. So uh, we'll end the conversation there and, um, yeah, I hope you enjoy the rest of your day. Awesome. Thanks so much, Jamie. Keep up the great work. Now, I hope you really enjoyed that conversation as much as I did. Uh, for those of you who've been following my work for a while, uh, I've put out the seven essential practices for overcoming insecurity. Uh, I'm convinced that insecurity can be overcome and not just masked, managed or avoided. Uh, but I think people who throughout time have found a way to show up to life unhindered have done so a certain way. There are keys that each of them have used. And so my work has been to compile these ideas and, and make sense of the stuff that's worked and, and deconstruct key ideas so they can be used and reproduced. So look, that's available on my website. Um, I'm particularly interested in having conversations about overcoming insecurity for entrepreneurs and even more particularly 35 to 40-year-old entrepreneurs. 
I just think entrepreneurs have got skin in the game. They have such a desperate need to solve this problem because it's all them showing up in the world solving problems. So it's good for the world to have entrepreneurs uh, at their best where it matters most. So if that's you, uh, love to have a conversation. Jump on my website, have a look at the seven essential practices and take the online assessment just to see how you measure up against these seven practices and how well you're doing. And uh, look, love, love to have a conversation with you if, if you think it could be helpful. I'll talk to you again next week. You've been listening to The Insecurity Project. I hope you found the content and conversations useful. And remember, you are not just the actor in the story, you are the storyteller. You have the ability to turn this all around. For more information about overcoming insecurity, check out theinsecurityproject.com.